Hey church, it's so good to tune in with you today. Hope you're all doing really well. Hope that things went well for kids this week, going back to school, teachers that you're still sane after a week, parents, I'm sure there's a big huge sigh of relief to be able to send your kids off. We so miss you guys so much and we can't wait till we're able to meet together again. Hopefully that's not too far away. Just stay tuned in to our social media stuff for you to be able to see when and what we're going to do in and around that. Also, if you could pray for me this week, that'd be great. On Friday, I'm just going in for minor surgery on my throat to help me with um, some of the breathing problems that I've had. I'll be fine, no need to panic, but um, your prayers would be fantastic. Hey, it's um, part two or week two of home improvement and I don't know whether you heard the message last week by Trinity, but it was such a great message. It really was. And I encourage you to go and have a look. And we wanted to continue that on in week two. And week two, we're talking about parenting principles. But really what I'm going to share today is not just for parents. It's actually stuff that we can apply to any relationship that we have. And, um, you know, we're going to have a look at these three principles that I think are important when it comes to parenting, but important in any relationship. And they're unchanging principles. They're principles that never actually shift and never actually change. You know, um, there's one thing about parenting that I know is that parenting changes. Our philosophies change. You know, I can remember Madison being our first, that when Madison would be eating and self-feeding herself and the teaspoon would fall on the ground, you'd pick it up, you'd run it under hot water, you'd wash it. Um, you know, when Seth was, um, you know, young as well and he's self-feeding and he drops it on the floor, it'll be just, you know, like wipe it on a towel or something and shove it back in his mouth. You know, our, our philosophies around parenting actually change, they actually shift. But these three principles that I want to share with you from Scripture actually don't change. They actually don't shift. And so we're going to actually have a look at an encounter that Jesus had with some children. And out of that, we're going to pull out three principles that don't change. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16, it says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. In other words, he was angry. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive, anyone will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. He took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. In this story about Jesus and children, we see three unchanging principles that we need for parenting, but actually can be applied to any kind of relationship. The first one is this. The first principle that we've got to do as parents is a loving touch. A loving, appropriate touch communicates such a rich sense of unconditional love and acceptance. I mean, why were they bringing the children to Jesus to be touched? Because they understood that touch is powerful, that touch is uh, appropriate touch. There's power in that. There's something significant that happens in that. I know that when I was going for a rough time once, 
in church and I was questioning whether I wanted to stay part of church. This was years ago when I was about in my 20s and just feeling a little bit hurt and a little bit upset with God that as we're standing there during the praise and worship, the pastor walked past and he just put his hand on my shoulder and just kind of gripped my shoulder a little bit. You know, that spoke volumes to me. He didn't say anything, but it spoke volumes to me. And a touch is really important. An appropriate, loving touch is really important. In fact, the Greek word there, touch, doesn't just mean touch, but it actually means to embrace. It actually means to um, completely and totally embrace the person, to attach oneself to them. And so here's Jesus with these kids running up to him and he is embracing them. He's attaching himself to them. He's being affectionate towards them in an appropriate way, laying hands on them and blessing them, speaking life, awesome words of encouragement over their lives. Now, why why is it so important to have a loving touch? You know, for some people, a loving touch is not a problem. You know, you know those ones, you know, the touchy, huggy, feely people. You know, the ones that, you know, you see them and they bounce up to you and give you a hug and you're like, whoa, invading my space. Uh, They have no issue with this, those kind of people. But there are some of us that are a little bit more reserved. And some of us actually find this really hard. In in fact, you would say things like, I'm just not naturally affectionate. I'm just not wired that way. I'm just not a huggy, feely kind of person. Well, if you're a parent and you feel that way, can I say this to you? You need to learn to be. You actually need to learn to be touchy, feely person when it comes to your kids because it's so important to their lives. You, you, you need God to do a divine inner work in you because your kids actually need your touch. It says this in Mark chapter 6. Verse 56, it says, And wherever he went into the villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him, that is Jesus, to let them touch the edge of his cloak, and all that touched him are healed. You know, the interesting thing is, if I did this study in the NIV, the New International Version, of the word touch, and wherever the word touch is associated with Jesus, there's healing involved. Wherever the word touch is associated with Jesus, there's healing involved. The reality is an appropriate, affectionate touch has incredible power in somebody's life. I did some more research and I found out this about kids as well, that the need for uh, touch dramatically increases for girls in their preteen years. That, That the need for touch Psychologists tell us dramatically increases for pre-teen girls. Now, for dads, we can sometimes get really uncomfortable with this as our girls go from being pre-teens to teens. Why? Because they, they start to develop a woman's body and it can sometimes be quite uncomfortable. I mean, I can remember when Madison was younger, we used to play fight and wrestle and all that sort of stuff. But as she got older, that became a lot well, uncomfortable, really, to be honest. And and the thing is, is what we tend to do because we start to feel uncomfortable with that, we kind of pull back on our affection. And the problem with that is, is that it's not that we don't love them, but it's, 
we just feel a little uncomfortable. But the, the problem is, is that preteen girls need that affection. They need that touch from the dad. Um, as time increases, dads, we must be fully engaged in an appropriate loving touch of our kids, and especially preteen girls. And dads, remember this. I want you to remember this, that it's the most important thing that you can do, appropriate loving touch that would deter your teenage daughter from looking for inappropriate touch. In other words, sexual sin, because a lot of young girls end up doing things with guys they don't want to do because they've not had that loving, appropriate touch from a father. And so they go looking for it somewhere else. The other thing that I learned as I did some of the studies, not only do preteen girls require an increasing amount of loving, appropriate affection, but that girls actually have five times more touching than what teenage boys have. You see, girls are often touched in a loving and appropriate way, five times more than boys, and yet boys' needs are actually just as equal. The problem is with boys is while they're younger, you know, right up to about, what, seven, eight years of age, I think from my experience, they will come and have hugs and they will let mum give them a kiss and they will let all that sort of happen. But at some stage that becomes uncool. To have mum give you a kiss as you jump out of the car, it becomes uncool. And so what we have to do is we have to make an adjustment because they still need a loving touch. And so can I suggest that what you need to do is become a little bit more creative in what you do with your boys, but still be engaged. For instance, I think as Seth got older and the hugs decreased, decreased, so the high fives increased, or the punch in the arm, or the wrestling, or something that was not a hug and a kiss, but was something a lot more kind of cool, you know? Secret handshakes, whatever it is, you need to find something and be creative in a way that that touch continues, that that appropriate touch continues. Because especially when it comes to girls, when they learn to be touched appropriately by a loving and godly person, they will learn to say no to inappropriate touch from an ungodly person. You see, when, when they learn what appropriate touch is from a godly person, they'll learn how to say no to inappropriate touch. You see, loving touch is such an important part of people's lives. It's also incredibly important in marriage as well. Um, it's very, very important in marriage. And, and guys, just so you, husbands, just so you know, walking up to your wife and going, woohoo, wow, you're sexy. That's not the kind of appropriate touch I'm talking about. It's not that that's inappropriate in a marriage. It's just not romantic. You might think it is, but she doesn't find it romantic. And so what I want to tell you guys when it comes to your marriage, actually non-sexual touch is something that we need to learn as guys because it's important to women. And you know what? You might be like, well, I don't know if I can learn any touch outside of a sexual touch towards my wife. Well, you know what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do this. She needs that kind of touch as well. The second thing is, 
The first thing is, is that there needs to be a loving touch. Remember, a loving, appropriate touch is what is needed. The second thing is, is abundant time. Abundant time. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. It's all about the time that we spend with them. In Mark chapter 10, 13 to 14, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, Let the children come to me. See, the disciples rebuked the kids from coming because they're like, man, he's too busy. He's got too much going on. He doesn't have time for this. He's got people to raise from the dead. He's got blind eyes open, deaf ears to hear. He doesn't have time for children. But Jesus was indignant, it says. He was angry and he says to them, hey, you let those kids come to me. You let them come to me. I'll decide whether I'm too busy or not. He says, I got time for this. You know, one of the things that I have learned not to do and and I used to do when the kids were younger, and I gotta watch myself to not do this now, even when they're older, is what I call pit stop parenting. You know, in a car race, the car comes flying into the pit stop, the the it's jacked up, the wheels are off, the fuel is put in, and they time it. You know, if they can get it done in 45 seconds, a minute, 30 seconds, it's like, woohoo, those guys are awesome. Like 30 seconds to do that is fantastic. Well, we have to be careful that we don't do pit stop parenting. What do I mean by that? So how was your day? Good, awesome. You know, and then we move on. Or like, you know, did you wear clean underwear today? Cool, did you brush your teeth? Yes. Um, you know, let me give you a piece of advice. Don't eat snow that is yellow and don't have sex before you're married. See ya, and off we go. You know, it's like that 30 second pit stop parenting. It's not abundant time. It's like a lick in the promise. It's just like getting through it. And I want to encourage you that we need to spend more than doing pit stop parenting with our kids. In fact, one of the other articles that I read is I looked into some of the statistics around uh, abundant time and loving touch and all that was this, is that the average dad, this is what they say, statistics say that the average dad spends 37 seconds a day engaged in meaningful conversation with their children. 37 seconds a day in meaningful conversation on average. Now, I'm sure some of you do way more than that, but what they're saying is that the average dad, 37 seconds a day. I mean, could you imagine, you know, what your marriage would be like or what your workplace would be like if people only spent 37 seconds a day talking to you? Now, I understand in the real world, it can be really hard to find time to do this, can't it? I mean, in most homes now, mum and dad are both working. You gotta go to work, you gotta get home from work, kids have got sports, you gotta take them here, you gotta take them there, you gotta get dinner done, you gotta get the washing folded, you gotta get, you know, like there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, even more so for a solo parent, you know, if you're a solo parent, I, I take my hat off to you, I don't know how you do it. Because you have all of that without any help and without any emotional support. I actually don't know how you do it. Um, I, I think you're amazing if you're a solo parent. But can I say this to all of us that are parents? And I say this to all of us that want to have meaningful relationships with people. If you are not careful, 
Whenever, wherever you are, you will make an excuse that you can't spend time. And what your excuse says is, I don't really have time to spend with my kids today. I wish I did, but I don't really have time. We need to be really careful. We will find an excuse for this not to happen. And we have to be really careful because the reality is this, is that there is no valid excuse for not spending time with your kids. There's no real valid excuse. You say, you might say, well, Craig, I, I don't have time. No, no, you have time. We all have time for what we choose to have time for. You see, my dad used to say this to me, you will make time for what's a priority to you. We all have time. We just pick something else over something else. We just pick this over that. We all have time. It's not that you don't have time, it's just what you decide that you wanna spend your time on. You know, sometimes I, I used to say this to the kids, I've just gotta get this done, I've just gotta get that done, and then I'll spend some time with you. You know, I, I've even heard people say this, it's like, I know I need to spend more time with the kids, but things are just so hectic at work, this, the holidays are coming up soon, I'll spend time with them in the holidays. Here's another saying that I've heard people say, if you don't do it now, you won't do it then. That's just the reality. You can say, oh, when I'm not so busy, or when I've got this, or when this has happened, or when that happens, then I'll do it. If, if you're not doing it now, the reality is you won't do it then. That's, I'm just being honest with you, and, and talking from my own experience. If you don't decide to do it now, you're not likely to do it at all. You have time to choose what you have time for. You actually have time to choose what you have time for. And the common thought that I get from most people is, okay, Carrie, I'm hearing what you're saying, but how do I do that? How do you do that? How do you find time in amongst everything that you're doing? When you're out three or four nights a week, you got the church, all that sort of stuff. How do you find time? Trinity's working full time, all that sort of stuff. How do you do it? Well, the reality is I don't. And I don't mean I don't as in, you know, God does it for me and some super spiritual cliche about, you know, it's the spirit that does it through me. I'm not talking about that. I don't. And what I mean by that is I don't have time to do everything. So that means some things don't get done. And actually, a lot of us, our biggest problem is, is we need to learn to become comfortable with the fact that the washing didn't get folded that night it can be folded tomorrow. Or be comfortable with the fact that the dishes are stacked up on the bench and they need to get done, but actually they can wait until the morning because I need to have time with my kids. The reality is, is we don't have time, so we have to live being comfortable with the reality and live and be at peace that some things aren't gonna get done. And the reason why I say we have to get comfortable with that is because all those things that you think that need to be done that aren't going to get done because you're going to spend time with your kids, all those things are the temporal things. But your relationship with your children is eternal. And I just think we need to shift focus. We spend so much time caring about the temporal about caring, as, as the scripture says, the wood, the hail, and the stubble, the stuff that will be burnt away. And the Bible says that all that is left is precious stones. 
Well, the precious stones, friend, is your relationships with people and your relationships with your children. All the other stuff is temporal. You know, I think it's really important that we keep that in mind, that building relationship with my kid and having a messy bench or having this or not getting to vacuum today because I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. I think it's really important that we understand that those relationships, those things that we're building, they're eternal and the eternal stuff matters. You see, the other thing that I think that in spending time with my kids, and I've always said this to them at times when they've been upset, is that I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm trying to be your parent. I have to stay at the parent level with my children. As I get older, I think that changes. I want to love them and I want me to be a safe refuge for them and I want them to be able to open up and talk to me and share with me. And so what I find more and more that as I'm having conversation with them, I'm actually praying internally about how do I answer this? How do I give them an answer? I'm asking God to show me what I need to speak into their life at this time that will touch their heart and make an impact on them. You see, I think that if there's one thing that this lockdown has done for us is it's kept our lives pretty simple, hasn't it? And it's slowed our lives down. And if there's one thing that I'm determined to continue, even as things return to normal or kind of normal, is that I want to make sure that I am actually still achieving what I want to achieve, but I don't want to be busy crazy, if you know what I mean. You know, there's, there's two ways to chop down a tree. You can either use a sharp axe or you can use a sharp knife. You want to use a sharp axe because that's going to happen quicker. You know, we want to work smarter, not harder, if you know what I mean. And so I think that as we go through this process, as we go through and come out of this and the normality of life happens, we don't want to get so busy. We need to keep things simple and slow it down. I think we live a way too fast a paced life. Everyone seems to be busy. And, and I just don't think that God intended us to live these busy, crazy lives. God has given you, he's given me a family and I'm called to love them and spend time with them and build them and train them. See, I got to make sure, and, and this is really hard for me as a pastor because I love all of you, but I have to make sure that I don't make myself available to everyone else and unavailable to my children. I have to be careful that as I go through life, I don't make myself available to everybody else and unavailable to my children. We have to make choices sometimes. And sometimes those are hard choices. And sometimes we have to say no to people so that we can have time with our children. As I said before, and I say it again, you will have time for what you choose to have time for. You will have time for your children if you choose to have time for them. James 4 14, I think, puts everything into perspective when he says this. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Your life is like a blink of an eye and then it goes. Let's make sure that we have a loving touch, appropriate touch towards our children, that we spend abundant time. And the third thing that we see in the story of Jesus is encouraging words. And a mark 
10, 13 to 16, it says right at the end there, it says he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them and he blessed them. He was pronouncing a blessing on them. You know, one of the key worship songs that has come out during the lockdown is called The Blessing and it's actually the Abrahamic blessing. It's a blessing from God. It's, it's his blessing on us. And so as he's blessing them, he's encouraging them. He's speaking words of life over them. He is lifting them and building them with his words. He's not saying to them, stop that. Don't do this. I wish you were more like your sister. He's not saying those sorts of things to them. He's not saying one, two, two and a half. He's not doing any of those things. He blessed them and encouraged them. And I'm not saying that children shouldn't be disciplined. In fact, we'll look at discipline next week. But what I'm saying is that we can spend so much time telling them what they shouldn't do and not a lot of time encouraging them in what they are doing. You know what I'm saying? One of the most important things we can do for our children is to speak words of life rather than words of death. The most important thing we can ever do is speak life into our children. And we really need to watch the words that we speak. You see, in the early years, if I'm honest with you, I was probably characterized more by catching them for doing what was wrong. Yeah? Always telling them what they were doing was wrong or don't do this or don't do that. If I'm really honest with you, in the early years of my parenting, it was more characterized by telling them to stop doing something and that they shouldn't do something than anything else. And then one day I realized what I was doing. One day I realized that all you ever do is telling them what they're doing wrong. You're not telling them what they're doing right. And so I decided in my heart that I was going to change perspective and actually I was going to encourage my kids. I was going to tell them how great they were, what the great things that they were doing. In fact, I think when it comes to any kind of relationship, you can't really get people to change by constantly pointing out what they're doing wrong. What actually gets people to change is by encouraging them when they do something right. You see, when you encourage someone, you put courage in them to do the right thing. And, and so I made this change and that I decided that I'd start to encourage my kids. And, and I didn't really realize how much of an impact that maybe some of the words that I had spoken over my kids had until recently. Recently, Madison got herself a little tattoo on her wrist here and it's a crown. And, um, you know, I, I kind of said to her, why did you get a crown tattoo for? You know, I thought... It's kind of like, why would you do that? It's like, you know, um, I don't know. Some people get some really weird tattoos. And and I just thought, why the crown? What's that about? You know, why did you get a crown tattoo? And um, she said to me this. She said, it's because every night when you come into my room to, you know, you give me a kiss on my forehead and say, good night, princess. And so every time when I look at that tattoo, it reminds me that you call me princess. You know, I came away from that moment when she said that to me and I didn't realize that I had even done that. I didn't even realize that that's what I did, that I walk into a room when it was time to go to bed, kiss her on the forehead and say, good night, princess. I didn't even realize that I did that. 
And it wasn't until she said that to me that I realized I did. And now when I do that every night, it's, it's, it means something to me now. She probably doesn't realize this, but I'm really intentional about it now because it's impacted her world. Because over and over and over again, I've been encouraging her without even really realizing, and now I'm intentional about it. You know, in all of scripture, there's really only one time that we know that God spoke audibly. And it was when he speak, spoke audibly to Jesus. There's only one time that it's recorded. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't speak audibly to Jesus any other time. But what I am saying this is that the only time it was recorded that God spoke audibly to Jesus was at his baptism when he came up out of the water. And then what did he say? He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased and whom I love. What a great statement to have as you come out of the waters of baptism that your God, your father in heaven speaks over you. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. It's in Matthew 3, 17. It says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Think about this. The one time it's recorded in scripture that God spoke over Jesus What he said was, I'm so proud of my son. Heaven is breaking open for me right now so that I can brag on him. You're on the right track, son. I'm so proud of you. You're doing so well. You, You have exceeded my greatest expectations. And I want everybody to know that you're my kid, that I love you. And I'm so, so pleased and proud of you. What great words to be spoken over his son. And I want to encourage you that those words, those encouraging words that we speak over our kids, they live on them. They live off those words. They remember what you said about them. You know, parents, we've got one chance to get this right. And I'm not a perfect parent. I've got plenty of things wrong. Every parent has got plenty of things wrong. You know, if you're a kid here today, and you got like, oh, my parents shouldn't do this, my parents shouldn't do that. You're probably right. But just remember, you've got to parent some kids yet, and you're going to get it wrong too. Let's have some grace around that. But parents, we get one chance to get this right. And the best way that we can get this right is through an appropriate loving touch, time, and encouraging words. I want to tell you, if we if we don't do anything else well as a parent, but we do those three, our kids are going to thrive in that kind of environment. And I want to tell you, life just goes so quickly, doesn't it? It just disappears so quickly. You know, I, I don't know about you, but when I think about my kids, you know, it's like I can remember holding... Madison in my arms and Seth in my arms and feeding them and burping them and changing their nappy and putting them on their back under the gym and the lounge and 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 they couldn't even move basically you know um, and then within a blink of an eye they're crawling within a blink of an eye they're walking you know next minute blink and they're at school you know it's like and then the crazy thing for me is like, next year Madison turns 21. This year Seth gets his license. 
if you don't believe that time goes quickly, then just blink because within a blink of an eye, your kid's gone from being this teenage boy at 13 years of age going to school to now he's wanting to take the car for a drive. Life happens really quickly. At a blink of an eye, they're married or they're shifting out of home or they're going off to uni. At a blink of an eye, they're going. And I, and I want you to understand that in a blink of an eye, everything changes. And so what we've got to do is we're just going to make sure that there's a loving touch that's appropriate. We're going to make sure that we're doing a time with our kids. When it comes to time, can I encourage you with this? When they're little, if you say to them, wait, they'll wait for you. But when kids become teenagers, if they come to you and say, I want to talk to you, if you don't talk to them in that moment, that moment will be lost. They'll go off and they'll do something else. Time, loving touch, time and encouraging words. You know, if we can apply all three of those things to our parenting, but also to any other relationship that we may have, you know, I want to tell you, you're going to end up with gold in those relationships. You're going to end up with quality, deep relationships. And at the end of the day, those are the eternal things. Those are the things that really matter. You know, these are principles. These three things are principles, not just for parenting, but for every relationship. And I don't know about you, but I want to do these three well. I want to do them incredibly well, not just with my kids, not just with Trinity, but with each and every one of you and with each and every person that needs to find Jesus in our community. And I want to encourage you over this season, over this time, let's make sure that we're doing these fundamental things, these three basic fundamental principles of relationships, appropriate loving touch, quality time or abundant time and encouraging words. You guys are awesome. I love you guys so much. I can't wait to see you all. As soon as we know anything about being able to gather together again, we will let you know. But can I just pray for you today that as you go about this time, as you go about this week, that you would realize that, you know what? If things don't get done, it's okay. Because time with my kids is of eternal consequence and those things are temporal. Let me pray for you that one, that God would help you shift your perspective, that the time with your kids will be awesome, or your spouse, or your friends, or whoever it is that you wanna build relationship with so that we have a richness of relationships. Father, we thank you so much that you showed us these principles in scripture. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us like just like I shifted from being a parent that was always pointing out what they're doing wrong, that would shift to a parent that's encouraging our kids all the time. Doesn't mean that they shouldn't be disciplined. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be corrected. But God, help us to use encouraging words to give them the time that they need and to give them a loving, appropriate touch. God, that just makes them feel loved, that makes them feel accepted, that, that makes them feel like they're part of a family and that they can do anything. Father, we thank you, Lord, that there's power in touch, there's power in time, and there's power in our words. And I pray that you'd help us release all of that into our families and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next week, hopefully. And um, 
I'm so excited to see who won the competition this week for date night. So Gina's coming up now and she's going to tell you all about that. But see you next Sunday for part three of Home Improvement. God bless and have an incredible week.